This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Roger Shaw deal $26 billion. We dig into it with global news and Gaviola. Automotive journalist Lacey Lee joins us to chat about road trips she went on after discovering she had a brain tumor. Why to go on road trips, what you can discover, and important highlights on the journey for her. And are you okay with deep fakes? Are you okay with COVID sniffing dogs? There's an awful lot going on here on the shift. The Shift Daily Podcast is available for you when the show is complete every single day. There was some big news that we hear in our broadcast world today, but you hear probably from the perspective of what about my cell phone? What about my internet? Oh my God, what's going to happen? Rogers Communications has signed a deal with Shaw Communications valued at $26 billion to acquire the companies. And Gaviola is here to chat with us from Global News, give us a little bit of insight on the details of this deal. Hi, Anne. Hi there. It's great to be here. Thanks so much. Uh, this has become it. I want to give a little bit behind the broadcast curtain a little bit. When you guys are reporting and investigating and finding out data, sometimes you get a couple projects a day. Sometimes you get a project a day. This is one of those stories that is hitting Canadians so hard. The Reddit threads are exploding online that this has become your whole world today. So can you tell us what's happening? Yeah, you put everything else aside. And to be clear, I was working on something about NFTs, which, by the way, are a really hot thing these days. But Definitely. this supersedes that. I mean, this is uh, potentially what was announced has the makings of this kind of juggernaut of a deal in the Canadian telecom space. It's a deal valued at $26 billion when you factor in uh, debt. And what we're talking about is this combination, this tie-up of um, two of Canada's biggest cable companies. But it's not the kind of cable landscape that we're really focused on. It's that these two companies, you know, they compete on the wireless front. And, and that's what has a lot of people pretty much obsessed with this. What is this going to mean? Will this be allowed to go through? So some of the old storylines and anecdotes, which I don't know if they've ever actually been confirmed, is that the Shaw family and the Rogers family years ago made an agreement to not cross this border and compete with each other. And you guys have that end of the country. We'll take this end of the country and everything will be fine. That has raised some questions years ago to begin with. And here they are now coming together in a dance for the whole country. Yeah, a friendly deal uh, that apparently has the okay from both sides, uh, which I think speaks to kind of the times that we're in. And what Rogers is offering is uh, a fair bit uh, in terms of things for Western Canada. So we're talking about the creation of 3,000 jobs in Western Canada to go along with this. They're saying these two companies are going to together invest $2.5 billion over the next five years in building up that 5G infrastructure for Western Canada. And then separate from all of this as well, they say they're going to create a billion dollar fund. And this is going to help connect rural, remote and indigenous communities to high speed internet service. So those are all important numbers. And they're such massive numbers because they're trying to grease this through Competition Bureau and the CRTC. They've got to basically say, look, if we're going to move into Western Canada, we're going to need to crush it. And it's going to need to look amazing. Now, of course, the catch is, is nobody really knows what's going to happen. Those are big numbers. And it would be wonderful if those numbers came through. What do we look for now? Because it's a year before this really is going to close. 
Right. And there's no doubt there are what analysts would call synergies. So ways that if these two entities come together, they can save money. But you also have to kind of decipher the some of the corporate speak, if you will. And one thing that jumped out at me is uh, Rogers has said, you know, two years after this deal, if it's allowed to go through, goes through, we'd be looking at annual cost savings of about a billion dollars. Um, that, too, is a significant amount of money. And oftentimes that kind of corporate speak does mean job cuts. So not immediately necessarily, but down the line. Does that mean they'll necessarily be in Western Canada? No, that doesn't mean, though, that they won't be in other parts of the country. And uh, there's also, I mean, part of the reason why people care about this is what does it mean for me? What does it mean for my cell phone bill, which I don't know how you feel about it. I feel like I, I pay a lot. And if you look at, you know, study after study that shows if you compare what we pay for, compared to what we get versus peer countries, we're paying more and getting less is the bottom line. When you have this kind of thing being presented to you, though, despite, you know, the, some of the shiny objects, um, every expert that I've spoken to today, analyst has said, you decrease competition, prices are going to go up. There's no other way to kind of slice and dice this. That's that's the bottom line. There us. are, yeah, there are um, the synergies. They market the synergies. They don't often market in purchases like this duplication. And that's where the cuts and those kinds of things will come. That's for sure. Now, that's just my perspective that I, I share with everybody who's listening. And uh, it is it is kind of interesting. There was one tweet that I wanted to bring to the attention that I had seen, and this is only one person's story. And one person said, you know, F-bomb, I just moved from Rogers to Freedom because I didn't like my service at Rogers. Now what? And so there's going to be an awful lot of Canadians that are going to have feedback on that wireless uh, spectrum client list. Are we hearing anything yet around feedback from from users? Well, before I speak to the, the user part of it, I can tell you what Rogers has said about Freedom Mobile, one of the most affordable options if it's available where you live in the country. Uh, and Rogers has said, you know, uh, for at least uh, three years after this deal closes, if it's allowed to go through, you, you won't see prices for your wireless services going up. And I mean... That sounds like good news, right? But the experts that I spoke with say effectively what they're saying is, so the prices you're paying now are going to be locked in. They're not going down. What's to say they're not going to go up after that time limit? Because it's not, you know, indefinite. Um, and, and so, yeah, all of these things in terms of considerations and, and keep in mind, it would be a big deal for this to be able to go through. There are a lot of federal stakeholders that need to say, okay, this can go. Uh, there are, you know, Shaw Communications shareholders who need to say, yes, this is this is going to be a thing. And if you look at what shares of Shaw are trading at today, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but this is important. Um, investors don't think that this deal, as it's been presented stands a chance. Uh, that's because shares are trade shares of shock communications are trading lower than that offer price, about $40 that Rogers has put on the table. So, I mean, you take all of that together and it's like, yeah, it's going to be a tough sell politically too. I think, um, you know, for the past decade at the federal level, our policies have been aimed at increasing competition, not decreasing. So what kind of precedent would it set to allow something like this uh, to go ahead? And I think, you know, in pandemic mode, I'm talking to you from my bedroom. I every day via my, my screen time alert, um, I am reminded of how dependent I am on these services. They're not a nice to have. They're what I need to do my job 
every single day. And so something like this comes along, uh, messes up with the competition factor and, and raises the prices that I pay. Uh, I think uh, a lot of Canadians would not be on board with that. The last time we saw a big deal with this was the Onyx deal with WestJet. And just to give some contrast to your point, Anne, about the share price of this being down, less than the purchase value. Think about that. You go buy one share. Uh, I'll give you easy numbers. If a share is valued at a dollar and that's what they're going to buy it at, and now it's trading at 75 cents, you can essentially buy shares for 75 cents. As the deal goes through, you make 25 cents. Free money. So that's a good indicator. The other one was the other way around was that with WestJet's purchase, they were about $18 a share. When the purchase was announced, they jumped to about 30 and the purchase price was about 30. So people were actually trying to get in just under it. They were so sure that it was going to go through. So just some, some contrast between big purchases in Canada and the way that those pieces work. Uh, please keep us up to date. I appreciate the insight very much. You bet. This was a pleasure. There's so much we can talk about. And I think um, there, there's going to be more. This isn't uh, you know, a done deal by any means. So uh, yeah, until next time. Uh, thank you very much from Global News, that insight from Anne Gaviola. So there's some of the basics on the deal. 877-399-9898. Cam is in Brampton, as we like to call it, Campton. And uh, <laughs> let me check in with Cam in, in Campton. It's his town. Thanks for your patience, Cam. I know you waited for a bit there. What's on your mind? Not a problem, Shane. Um, I liked what you said to Charles Adler uh, before. Um, I grew up uh, without TV. Uh, Foster Hewitt had a national show. It was called Hockey Night in Canada. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I have a problem with, uh, just beyond the pricing, is that the person that owns the signal, and we used to call it frequency when we had TV antennas. We had our first TV in 1957-58. they also control the media shows. And I think I have a big problem with that because they're not only controlling the frequency and what you will watch, where you will watch, and what they will charge. And your basic charge just isn't your charge. If I want to add, you know, uh, uh, stuff that would be normally blacked out, yeah, I can buy that for an extra fee. Mm-hmm. Why can't I design my own bundle? I haven't had a TV with it for a year and a half. I went to radio. Okay. I don't pay anything like for my radio. Well, no, <laughs> I have great shows like yours, Adler, uh, That's and all the rest of the 640 uh, crews that we, and shows here that we have in Toronto. And what I find Shane is I listen more to the radio than I do for the TV. Really? Okay. TV is getting just, you know, when when the Learning Channel has, uh, uh, you know, the life and times of Honey Boo Boo on it, I, I have to. <laughs> That's <laughs> such a terrible show, Cam. Point well taken, though. Oh, yes. I, okay, yeah. gladly give them the money for it. But uh, I find it's more like uh, the, ba- the banks. Okay, uh, we're going to deposit $300 in your account if you open the account with us. Okay, so you uh, alleviated uh, three hundred dollars, uh, thirty. You know your your bank charges are thirty one dollars. They make their money back, and they've got you as a customer. Um, it used to be that media corporations, media companies, <clears throat> and broadcasters made their money from commercials. 
Yeah. How about getting rid of the commercials? Yeah. So well, you know, I it's interesting. Uh, your perspective is really interesting, and I and I'm not. Um, I don't want to uh, sound like I'm contesting it because I'm not. But I do want to bring up some clarity for others who don't know how some things work. And I'll use a channel like CNN. So some cable companies provide service, and then you know others pick it up and play it, kind of like radio, right? Now, if there's a channel, and a great example is. Uh, in Kamloops, uh, 610 Radio NL is not part of our company, but they pick up our show, right? They rebroadcast it. They get to play their own commercials on it and so on. So then they pay a fee. They sell the commercials. That's how licensing works. It's pretty simple. I think we all get that part. If we want to get CNN, CNN doesn't have their own commercial inventory. So they sell their network as a cable uh, channel to other networks. So they don't have a terrestrial stick, if you will, and they sell that to Shaw or Rogers TV, and then Rogers and TV, they resell that back. Now, to your point, um, so that's why we pay for some things, and I think that's okay. I think it's okay. If you want to go get CNN, you want to pay 7 bucks or whatever the cost is, then go get CNN, pay 7 bucks. But the... Um, which is what the online services are really doing now. If you want to watch the Stars Network, you pay a couple of bucks. You want to watch Smithsonian Network, you pay a couple of bucks. Whatever, you can do those things. To the point of um, how we look at this differently, I I really find that you're you're really on to, we've sort of lost our way, but here is the crossroads. If we let the government control broadcasting and content, they're going to have, if they're going to pay for it, then as a public service, then they're going to have some sort of say, you would think, uh, even in a, even in a honest world over what goes on the air. And at the same time, if they don't pay for it, then if someone's taking the risk as a business, they're going to want to make a profit at it. So it's a bit of a crossroads about what the heck we do. And I heard a really great example is that we have infrastructure like roads that are basically ours, yours and mine. We pay taxes for them. They are ours, right? So we can use them with the exception of toll, some toll roads or whatever. We can use them. And so if these are frequencies, as you speak of, right, and if uh, the Internet is going to be the new highway, the info super highway, we used to hear that long ago, is it possible that that should be a um, an infrastructure that's provided and then that gets leased to these companies and then these companies can compete in a free marketplace? That to me becomes interesting. I, I I feel I'm a less government kind of guy, but at the same time, I you know, at what point do these 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 roads cross? And when you look at trains, somebody owns those train tracks, and although some of the land deals from long ago are kind of stinky, but um, somebody owns those train tracks, and if you want to borrow those train tracks, you got to wait. So that's a lot. But I just wanted to create some clarity of some other scenarios that are very similar. Cam, how does that land for you? Well, that lands for me fine, but in, okay, so the railway controls the lands and the trains. They also uh, make their money from freight and passengers, mm -hmm. okay? They dictate to me what my price will be. I have a choice of not taking that service or taking a plane. The Internet is more of, I feel, has, has been sold as, uh, well, it will make things easier, which it has in many cases, especially in business. No, no problem with that. Okay. But let's say I'm looking at my load boards. I'm in the trucking business. Nobody's advertising on my load board. Nobody's advertising on my satellite connection to my trucks. I have one provider. I pay one fee. 
I don't have bundles coming out. I see. I totally are they get going what you to, said Are they now. going to bundle? Are they going to eventually, Shane, and you guys should yeah. be interested in, in, in the radio media, are they going to start bundling radio stations? Well, okay, you can pay a fee and listen to uh, Sirius Radio. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, I don't happen right. to... Uh, like, so where are we going with this? But yeah. it seems to me the frequency providers are now in charge of what we watch on the media. Uh, Rogers and, and, and Sports Network, DSN, yeah. whatever, Sports yeah. Network and everything. Okay. And then who are the commentators on them? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have people to answer for, i.e. the Cherry situation or the Bob McGowan situation. Okay. Right. All kinds of things. So yep. they're actually controlling what I'm watching. I want to get a bundle from them if I have to, commercial free, with PBS on it, uh, uh, anything else. That's impossible. I get a thousand channels, out of I which gotta... three quarters of I, I I don't even understand the language that they're in. Yeah. No, and that's a okay. good point. I, I think that you you really when you pay for your service in your truck, you get your service and nothing else. And when yet yeah, we're paying for the service from the cable companies and we're watching ads in the meantime. Um, I, it's correct. kind of doubling up. It's double dipping. And, yeah, and, I get and it. you pay a hundred bucks a month for that. Well, if you yeah, capture so, most of the market, okay, buy this, which sounds pretty plausible. Uh, yeah. I think that probably will make them as big as Bell. I guess. Okay. Yeah. So now you're going to have Almost. two major competitors. So here's the thing. I think that I draw this equation, simplify it down to very simple. As if you go pay for your Spotify music and you get Spotify for free, you listen to ads, however many ads they want to put in. But if you pay for Spotify, you don't get ads. Same thing with YouTube. And I think that's a really simple example of your point. And it's a good point. Cam, thank you very much for the phone call and the conversation. I love it. Thanks, brother. That's Cam in Brampton, as we like to call it on the shift. Campton. This is the Shift Podcast. As we sit here in our final week before the end of winter, we we get excited for what's coming. Camping season, road trip season, you name it. Lacey Lee is with us, and there is a storyline here. Lacey Lee uh, car reviews for most of her professional journalistic career. And yes, we will we will do that here because we have an RV that we're going to talk about. But the reality is, is when we go on a road trip, there's one of two things that we're doing. And sometimes we're going to find something. I've never been to Yellowstone National Park, so I'm going to go on a road trip to the States, say. Alternatively, sometimes we're trying to escape something. They're one and the same. They dance with each other, but they're, they're also distinct. Sometimes we discover new things. Sometimes we get away from old things. Road trips are fantastic. So it's with that question that I bring in Lacey Lee and say, good day to you. Thanks for being on the shift again. Day to you. And it's my pleasure. I look forward to sitting down and talking to you every week. It's become, it's become the highlight of my week. Thank you very much. It's nice. We need to get you some new (laughs) friends. So we need to do that because this cannot be your highlight. Um, well, my bubble's not very big. So. <laughs> Admittedly, it's, a, it's as best as it gets. Hey, man, the best is relative, and we'll take the best. Um, so road trips are a thing. You took a, you borrowed a friend's truck, you bought an RV, you went on a road trip a couple of years ago, and you hit the road, you and and, uh, and the dog Jasper. And uh, that was it. You went on the road. 
when you went on the road, I, can you tell me first what you were looking for? And then we'll talk about why you hit the road uh, with the RV and why that was your salvation. Yeah. Um, you know, I have to be honest. I, when I went, I didn't think I was looking for anything. And I love the intro that you, you had on this and the idea of dancing between the two realms. And I really had no conscious thought things had changed in my life. Yep. Two years ago now, two years ago, and I just needed something different. And I realize now coming back and reflecting on things and seeing the memories come up and the experiences that I had, some really awful experiences, some really amazing experiences. I was really trying to find myself and I didn't realize that at the time. And trying to figure out who I am. You introduced me as a, a journalist, an automotive journalist. And that's something that I've been doing for my entire adult life. And I think many people listening to this, including yourself, will understand that our jobs end up defining who we are. Or you, you know, I meet a lot of friends that are moms. And suddenly the only way they define themselves is a mom. And that changes or that shifts. And we don't know who we are anymore. And that's kind of what happened for me. I had some things, some, some things happen in life and I needed to go find myself. I needed to figure out who Lacey Lee Elliott was without the job, without the friends, without the life that society had surrounded me for, for so many years and needed to, to find that out. And the only way to really do that, I think is to to get out on your own and you nailed it. Road, road trips are the best way to do that. Mm. Who would have thought that a best psychologist is a bottle of Gatorade and some beef jerky or sunflower seeds <laughs> or whatever it is that your road trip snack is, which is probably a good question. What is your best road trip snack? For me, it's probably beef jerky, sunflower seeds and Gatorade. What's your best road trip snack? Oh, and mine is pepperoni and cheese and I'm a Coke girl, but cherry Coke and vanilla Coke. I don't eat a lot of, junk food or consume a lot of sugary stuff. But when I'm driving, there's something about a Coke, yeah. Coca-Cola. Really? Hey, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to open that up to the audience. 877-399-9898. What's the best road trip food? And I know that we have a lot of truckers and drivers, mm -hmm. delivery drivers who listen at nighttime. So I'm curious to see uh, what that snacking looks like to keep you awake. All right. So <laughs> going to find things. Sometimes we go to a lake to find the lake. Sometimes we go to the ocean to find the ocean, but sometimes we just get in the car and drive and we have reasons behind that. What were your reasons? I, my reasons were, I had a very horrific end to a relationship. It was an abusive relationship. And at the tail end of that, I ended up in the hospital. They found out I had a brain tumor and I can't honestly Think of anything scarier to be told in a life that by hospital staff that there's something wrong with you. Tumors in general are bad, but a brain tumor, I, it felt like my life was flashing before my eyes. I will never forget the conversation in the hospital, never forget how I was feeling. And it really makes you stop and look at life and what is valuable and what is precious and what is important. And I think what's interesting with my story is that I'd always been so 
health conscious. My background is actually personal training. I'm a certified sports nutritionist. I, I thought I always was doing things. I'm going to do air quotes here, but right way. I was eating healthy. I was exercising. I was doing yoga. I was taking care of myself. And I felt like I'd just gotten this big slap in the face because no one could tell me what caused it. No one could tell me where it was from, how to fix it. And I had to go in and I had a craniotomy. They opened up my skull, 27 stitches, took out a golf ball sized tumor that thank God every day turned out to not be cancer. And it has just been that one moment in my life. And I think we always have these moments. We look back in our lives to these times where kind of a chapter closes, the next chapter opens or a book closes. And this for me was one of those times where I stepped back and realized that this could all be done tomorrow. Everything in my life that I had, all the stuff that I own, none of it mattered. None of it really mattered. And that was a wake-up call for me. So I sold my house. I bought the RV and I, I took a road trip of a lifetime. Well, okay. So I say this with humor because you're okay, right? Just so you know, mm -hmm. I don't uh, I don't say this uh, uh, trying to be cold or anything like that. But do you really think that when you take a golf ball size tumor out of your skull that jumping in a truck and towing a trailer across the continent is the best thing to do first? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I, I have to admit, I waited till I was okay from the doctors okay, good. and, uh, it's, it's not like, <laughs> like a bandage still it. on your head and you're like, we're you know, going on a road trip. Right? Yeah. No, I did. I waited probably about eight months, nine months from after the surgery and everything was good. And I, I, I don't know. I never believed I'm not a very religious or spiritual person, but this was also something that really shifted for me that. I think I have some angels out there. And that was the thing. I, I kept in touch with a lot of people that had a similar experience to me that had similar tumors and were not as lucky. And when I got through all the tests with the neurosurgeon, the neurologist, the specialists, and they just kept saying how lucky I was like, you're so lucky. You have no side effects here. You're so lucky. You have none of this. And even now, um, three years will be, um, three years this May yet will be my anniversary and the tumor's gone. I, I'm going to go back in for an MRI, but again, just the continuous response from the people in my circle that you're so lucky that this is okay. You're so lucky. And I just felt like if I didn't go do something, if I didn't go take advantage of this opportunity in my life, I I'd kick myself for it later. So what did you find? Well, I found out that um, RV life full-time is not for me. <laughs> and um, what I found in that journey was that life sometimes is messy. And I don't know if you watched any of my YouTube channels, but I had a few um, actual horrible experiences with the uh, the poop hose. If any, I'm sure most of your listeners mm -hmm. out there are familiar with RV life. And I had several situations where I was physically covered in poop and in tears and ready to give up and quit. I had never, you know, I think I'd taken my life for granted, honestly. No, I, I don't say I think. I know I took my life for granted and what I had, the fact that I had hot water anytime I needed it, the fact that I had, you know, insulation in my windows and all of these things, I took it for granted. And to hop into the RV and be plunged into this life 
really just opened up my eyes to how resilient we can be, how strong we can be when we want to. And I think that was the thing. I'd been so defined most of my life by a job and the, the idea of Lacey Elliott from driving television, doing this, that going out and doing something honestly crazy. It was crazy. Yes, you nailed it. Going nine months after recovering from a brain tumor. Also, I'd never been in an RV before. I'd spent a couple couple of weeks here kind of practicing, but it was a it was a big task to undertake. And I mean, you can do all the research in the world. I don't know how people function before we had YouTube videos, yeah. but it still doesn't prepare you. It doesn't prepare you for the first time you actually get poop all over yeah. you. You just, how can you prepare for well, that? <laughs> ideally, the way you prepare for that is to just not get poop on you. But the, um, yeah. but you do learn a lot of things about RVing. You learn how to use uh, even dishes for multi-purpose, right? At home in our kitchens, we yeah. use, we have this cup for this and that cup for that. And what you learn to shop for and you're like, hey, I can get that cup and it'll do that, 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 and that, and that, right? So you do learn how to do it a little bit differently. Yeah. And I, I wanted to ease your mind. Yeah. I was in Fairmont, B.C., and a guy pulled up in a great big Super C, which is like the camper over the top of the cab, but like the big diesel ones. Yeah. And I don't know if they were new or whatever, but they hooked up their their hose and that has multiple connections on theirs um, yep. for black and for gray water. And they pulled the lever on the black, but the hose was hooked up to the gray. And in the middle of this beautiful green campground, beautiful campground, they're literally in the center they pulled their um, their black water sewer hose and dumped their tank in the center of the campground. So the whole there's no hiding it because the whole campground is like you can oh see my it. God, I gotta die. You can smell it. And so um, it was the worst. <laughs> so you're not the you're not the only one who's done that. Uh, so I no, hope that and I your know mind. I know that I'm not right. Like I know that I'm not, and I think you know it's, it's part of the experience. And I think that I, one of the things I'm excited about sharing my story with you now more than ever is with COVID restrictions, camping and getting out in an RV is something that I think more and more Canadians are going to have to take advantage of. I'm not sure about in Alberta, but for example, here in BC, a lot of places aren't allowing tent camping anymore because they, they don't want people to be using facilities. Yeah. So I know that RV sales are at an all-time high and I've gotten so many women reach out to me and say, how did you do this? Like, this is crazy. And my response is always, you just figure it out. And I think the other piece about myself, I think, you know, I used to think this is a female thing, but I think it's more of a human thing. I really struggled to ask for help. I was a single independent woman and RV life taught me that sometimes you need to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't have the answers. Sometimes, you know, sometimes maybe I had the answer, but I, I couldn't do it on my own. And that was a big piece of it was that I had to go into certain situations and and make friends with strangers and ask for help and reach out to strangers in community boards and forums and, and get help. And that was also something that, you know, I didn't think was an issue until I had to do it mm -hmm. in my adult years was suddenly like, wait a minute, why is it so hard? Hitting the road. So this is where I get curious. So tell us about your trailer, because if there's lessons learned here and you're getting asked about, you know, the independence and taking it on and, and not only the, cause you, you go through the, the human stuff, you, you, I'll say it for what it is. I mean, you're also a single woman on the road by yourself. 
which in some areas of the continent is not always the safest thing to be on the side of the road by yourself in the middle of nowhere with no cell service, right? Um, so you've gone through a lot. You've experienced a lot of things there. Tell us about your trailer, first of all, so we can get some perspective on what you did get. And let's maybe name a couple of things that might help people if they're considering going into that. Because if you want to go tent vagrantly across the country, you can't yeah. do that the same way that you used to do. You can't pop into the gym and pay a $5 drop-in fee and have a shower um, or a campground. So what was your trailer and um, and where do we start? Yeah, I did a lot of research on RVs. And I think the downside for me, though, is I had no idea what I was looking for. I went to Google, I went to YouTube, and I, I watched other people. And in my head, I, I thought I knew what I wanted. And the intention was to live in it full time. And so there were certain things I thought I wanted, like a big bathroom. I ended up buying a model from the company called Grand Design. They are one of the few companies at the time, and this might have changed now, but a couple of years ago, Grand Design was the only one that uh, covered warranty issues with full-time RVers. So this was really important to me because I didn't want to be stuck with some problems and not be able to get help. So I, I was really hooked on the idea of a Grand Design model. And I ended up in uh, Imagine, which was a travel trailer. It's 26 feet living space. It was 30 feet from bumper to hitch. And I had this big, beautiful bathroom in the back. And when I moved in, when I picked it up, that was really one of my selling features was that I've, I had enough space. I had one slide. It was a good enough weight loaded. She was 6,300 pounds when I had her fully loaded with water and fuel and everything else. And was so happy to have this big bathroom. I know why you bought this now. one. You bought this one because it came with a built-in <laughs> pet dish, didn't it? It did also come with a built-in pet dish, but Jasper never oh. used it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That was a great little feature to have, but yeah, we never used it. But I had this big bathroom, and honestly, anyone who's been in an RV will probably agree with me. That was one of the dumbest things on an RV list I probably could have been looking for. <laughs> so this is not going to be my forever trailer a little heavy for me right now. And I'm actually looking at downsizing something a little smaller, something a little lighter. I know people got really caught up on the idea that this was so big, but anyone who's towed a trailer, if you understand the basics of towing, it it's the basics of towing. So whether you're towing something that's 3000 pounds and 20 feet or something that's 6,000 pounds and 30 feet, the, the theory is still the same. Mm -hmm. the The brakes, the braking, the cornering, the trying to back up efficiently. Those things are all still the same. And I think what's interesting, I I knew this going into it, but most people don't get into a rig and it's their forever rig. Most people don't. And I follow a lot of people, mostly in the states, that are in their RVs full time, or that have been RVing a lot. And you really have to get into it and spend some time before you know if it's going to work for you or not. And I think that's a really important lesson. I was feeling a little frustrated a few months into it going, oh, this is this was not the right rig for me. This is not the right trailer for me. And I definitely take advantage of, of all of the things I had, the size, the layout. And I mean, yes, it was great. I had a big bathroom to do my hair. But when you're camping... I didn't realize I wasn't going to be doing my hair all that often. <laughs> well, 
Well, there are some really, really great, uh, some really, really <laughs> great uh, things to remember there. It's true. You do live life absolutely differently uh, when you go for it. So, okay. So hitting the road. Now you've, now you're back though. Um, do you look at it the same way to go find things? Is it a normal part of your life? I mean, for everyone who's thought about, I would like to go camping because you can rent RVs now. You don't have to buy one. There's all kinds of different things you can do. What's your advice now that you're back living life again and uh, still in the same career, although building new career things, obviously, and expanding, I'd say expanding the career. What's, what's your advice to those people? Yeah, I think I said this to you in another conversation about road trips whether you're going out on the road with a trailer or you're just going out for a drive, I still think they're one of the best ways to escape life, escape reality. Whether you're driving for 20 minutes or two days, it's such an amazing way to get away. And, you know, most of us, I think, have pretty negative feelings around what's going on with COVID and everything right now. But I think what it's reminded so many of us is really what is important in life. And for me, I, I joke, but I am a princess. I am not going to deny it. Don't get me wrong. I I'm tenting is fun, but I really did not enjoy it. It just was not for me. I agree. Right. And I mean, a lot of people are on the same page and finding an RV, like you said, renting one and being able to go out to nature and unplugging a little, even if it means not having cable for a couple of days and being able to get in the woods and wake up to the birds chirping in the forest, it changes your energy. It shifts how you feel. It just, it's completely different from the normal life that most of us live in the city or in the, in, in suburban areas where we're surrounded by the hustle and bustle and the go and the demands and stress really of society today. And if you've never been in an RV renting one, I I can't say enough amazing things about it. It can be relaxing and enjoyable and challenging and just, yeah, an amazing way to get out and find yourself. Well, I can tell you this is that if you like the sound of the birds in the springtime, because we're all starting to hear that in Canada, then your RV is a great way to do it. Lacey Lee, uh, what are the socials so everyone can connect with what you what you've got there and uh, and look forward to chatting again soon? Yeah, um, you can find me on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, just Lacey Lee Elliott. And my brand is the All Points Road Trip. But type me into Google, you'll find me. And I would love any support and comments on my journeys and the vehicles that I'm driving. It's, you know, it, it, social media has been a great way to connect with like-minded people. And I, I love it. And I'm grateful for everyone out there that supported me the last couple of years. It's the shift podcast. Are you okay with deep fakes? No, no, we've, we've, we've been talking about this a lot. No, no, no. Especially if like your face yeah. is, like in a really like compromising or dirty kind of scene. No, no, we like those ones. We don't like the other ones. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like, um, at first, deepfakes were kind of neat, right? Like, oh, look what you can do. I could put my yeah. face on a celebrity's body. That's neat. And now we're like, this is terrifying. If someone had a vendetta against me, they could make me look like I'm doing a crime. So now, no, yeah. no, no, stay yeah. away. So. If you want to be Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean, sure, go ahead, get those apps, put your face on his body, and you can be in the movie. That's kind of the cool part of what deep fakes were, right? 
it's faking out people. There's a little voice acting to it. There's a, all kinds of images that are put together on it and, uh, and put it out there. Well, I'm not okay with them anyway. I agree with you guys. Pennsylvania is facing multiple charges. Um, for allegedly making fake photos and videos of teen girls on her daughter's cheerleading squad. Oh, a Pennsylvania mom is facing multiple charges. In an apparent attempt to get them booted from the team, you've heard about crazy dance moms? Well, how about cheerleading craziness? Well, how did she do it? Get all these other girls booted from the team? High-tech, deep fakes. This is from NBC. I think I was just so much like in shock with everything going on, like, I couldn't really comprehend, like, what was going on. Maddie Heim says after getting several threatening calls and texts from unknown numbers, some even saying she should take her own life, her cheer coaches told Maddie they received this video that supposedly showed her vaping. She and her mom shared it with us. They say it's fake. I felt like if I said to someone, like, no one... No one would trust me. They have the video on proof, even though the video wasn't real. According to court documents, images from Maddie's social media were also doctored to make it appear like she was nude and drinking. Her mother turned to police. I didn't know how to protect her from that. I didn't know who to protect her from. There were a lot of sleepless nights. Nude and drinking? That's just like a Saturday night. Well, not for high school people, Matt. Yeah. Oh, come on. This is crazy. <laughs> Grow up, Shane. Well, actually, Holy. that could be that could be the truth. Fifty-year-old Rafaela Spone Spone Spone. Uh, sorry if I mispronounced that. Faces three misdemeanor 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 charges of cyber harassment of a child and three counts of harassment. Authorities say she doctored several photos to smear and embarrass three of her daughter's rivals on Victory Vipers cheerleading squad. The photos were taken from the victim's social media and had been altered to make it look like they were drinking, smoking, and posting nude. Um, that's terrible. Um, absolutely terrible. My goodness. That's insane. Eight, it is. 877-399-9898. You've lost your way, my friends. If that's the lesson you're teaching your kids, uh, cheat and destroy other people's lives so you can make a cheerleading team. That's the lesson that you're teaching your kids there. Um, in high school. In high school. All right, so text messages that come in. See, you annex the moon dial, and Shane forgets what time it is. Good point. Thanks, Trucker Dan. D-Wade says, RIP moon dial. You'll be sadly missed. All right. That's what that's that's what it gets for getting towed and showing up drunk and all that you other know, kind of stuff. It was high from time to time. Yeah. Steve asked this question trying to take over the show right? about our uh, gardening, about pallet gardening. When I said about Andy Barrar, I might as well address this now before we move too far off. Pallet gardening. How long do they last? Then you have to get rid of the lumber. Uh, that's a good point, Steve. Yes, when you do uh, your 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 gardens out of pallets. The wood's pretty flimsy and junky anyway. It's pretty porous stuff, so it does not last very long. But at the same time, that's kind of the point because you're not using treated wood, right, which will last forever. And so, yes, you will have to replace it, uh, but at least you're going to keep the uh, the chemicals and stuff out a little bit more natural. Uh, pretty good feeling. And also, you can get pallets, beat up old pallets for free, which is super handy. And uh, you can do those trays like you do those those rack trays where your plants hang off them too, so then their plants aren't actually in the wood. We'll learn more from Handy Andy uh, coming up maybe next week. 877-399-9898. Are you okay? Are you okay with going to the bank? I'm okay with going to the bank when I have money. Hmm. <laughs> That's relatable. <laughs> uh, 
I, yeah, that there's a lot of anxiety I find when you go to the bank. If there's, you know, unless you're there to cash a really big check and mm. you're like, this is it, man. That feels good. When I, like when I did acting and I got my first acting check and I walked in there, I felt like money itself. But every time since then, it's been more like, uh-oh, I need to stop buying sneakers. So mixed feelings. But everybody at my bank is nice, so there's that at least. <laughs> nice. Um, my buddy, uh, Brett uh, Forte, he's a comedian. He does this whole thing about Frugal Forte, about how he goes to the bank and gets his morning coffee every morning. And he's not even a customer at that particular bank, but if you're a customer at the bank, you get coffee. So he goes in and there's a Keurig in the bank and he gets his coffee and he loiters around and reads a couple pamphlets and he walks out. Oh, so, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, they have they have sweet coffee at uh, at my bank when I used to go. Mm -hmm. Nice. I, they used to have sweet coffee. I used to take advantage of the coffee at my local BCAA as well. <laughs> free coffee's good i love it all right are you okay with the bank an arrest warrant was issued for a woman who refused to wear a mask at a texas bank saying to a police officer what are you going to do arrest me <laughs> turns out that's exactly what happened so this clip this clip is going viral not just for the woman's attitude towards the police officer but also for what she claimed was happening Point on. One oh, back thing. up, back up. Some old lady is getting handcuffed here. Ma'am, put you your hands behind you your back. Say, you don't stop resisting. Are stop. You, are you going to, is anybody going to, like, get real here? Really? Relax. No one's going to get real? Wow. Come on. Please not relaxed at all. Right here, people. I oh, love how she reaches out the for support. The bank. Yeah, they're, they're like, like they're no, like, shut up. Like, what a scam. They're like, no, it's not. You're a fool. Get out. I love that. Is anybody going to get real here? Yeah, that's what happens when you don't follow the rules and then you say to a police officer, are you going to arrest me? Um. Okay, police said she suffered minor injuries during the struggle and she was taken to hospital for treatment. <laughs> he was very clearly narrating to the cameras. Uh, I'm assuming that's a chest camera or something like that he was wearing. Um, and yeah. said that she's resisting, she's resisting, she's resisting. So when he puts more strain on her, and that's got to be hard for a cop to do because it's a little old lady, right? Like you could break bones and that could be very, very dangerous. Um, Wright told the Washington Post she's never covered her face inside stores, even when the statewide mandate was in place. She said she lives in an RV park across the bay from Galveston, Hitchcock, Texas. She told newspapers she was attacked and compared mask requirements to the way that Nazi Germany forced Jewish people to identify themselves with the Star of David. Whoa. Nice. Yeah, she really wow. doesn't like what's going on, doesn't she? <laughs> well, if you ever wanted to um, not have any sympathy for her before, there's that. There you go. Not a lot of sympathy. Um, <laughs> there was a time I was in the bank and somebody wouldn't wear, wouldn't take off his sunglasses. And that was interesting. I watched the bank tellers. So guy walks in, he's standing in line and the manager sort of uh, said to him in line, say, please take off your sunglasses, sir. And he wouldn't. And then it was his turn and he walked up to the counter and the, and the, the teller said, please take off your sunglasses, sir. It's the rules. He says, where is it? The rules. Show me the rules. And they said, it's right there on the door. Please take off your sunglasses, sir. And the manager came over, sunglasses off, sir. 
And I don't know what he said. And he said something. And all of a sudden, all the tellers stopped what they were doing. And they all backed away from the counter. All of them. All the whole row of them. They all backed away from the counter. And they said, nothing happens until you either take your sunglasses off or you leave. It was amazing. Whoa. Yeah. Well, it hides the identity on the cameras, right? So I took a sunglasses. Oh, no. It makes sense. Yeah. He did, though. Okay. Well, it was, he was just like, this is the stupidest thing. Blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, the, uh, crazy, right? Whoa. Anyway, um, to the textures that say, too bad she didn't say what, aren't you going to tease me? <laughs> well, that's not funny, but it's still kind of funny. Uh, there is no mask mandate in Texas. There is no longer a mask mandate in Texas. Well, that happened over the weekend, but businesses can still say, hey, you need to wear a mask in our place of business, right? Like that's yep. their right to ask that. So mm -hmm. that's why that happened there. You know what else businesses can ask you to wear? Pants or a Clothes. shirt nice. or shirt yeah. or shoes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So no there's not a lot of argument there. Not a lot no of argument service. to be had there. Okay. Before we get into this, are you okay? Let's just play it. Please, let's just, okay. It's very important that you all try to eat as many hot dogs as you can. On your mark. Get set. Eat. Is there any mustard? No mustard. No mustard. Just eat it. Eat it, Phyllis. Dip it in the water so it'll slide down your oh. gullet more easily. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay with hot dogs? Yes. yes. It's really... The one of the many foods besides pizza that you could eat any time because of its portability and its mm. and its relative size, like it's not as big as a, as a steak, right? So you can eat a hot dog any time, really. Is there any better food than a long day down by the river? You just sit in the river, you know, have your beers in the water so they're cold have a couple of beers, right? So you're there in the hot sun all day, or you're at the lake, you're down on the dock all day, you're hungry now, you're like, yeah, man, I'm hungry. You know, you're down by the ocean, you know, you're hanging out at the park. Someone flips open a little hibachi grill and barbecues some wieners right there, making hot dogs for everybody. Is there anything that tastes better than that? Not really. No. Nope. You just hit the nail on the head. It's the perfect food for that occasion and so many others. Oh, I love hot so dogs. Yummy. Oh, so yummy. All right. German police say they've solved a nine-year-old burglary after DNA found on a half-eaten piece of sausage matched that of a man detained in France over an unrelated crime. Das ist gut. Ja. Sehr gut. Sausage. Um, oh, my God. Okay. Um, police in the western town of Schwelm announced that the sausage belonged to the victim and the suspect in a 30-year-old Albanian citizen appeared to have helped himself to a bite during a March 2012 break-in. Hey, when you're hungry, you're hungry. Investigators were recently alerted that French police had taken a matching DNA sample from a man involved in a violent crime. But Schwelm police, let's just acknowledge the name Schwelm. Schwelm. Yeah, Good. I was going to say. Welcome Ooh. to my town named Schwelm. Um, police said the suspect remains free and in the worst case. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's, so... <laughs> that's not a typo. <sighs> Amazing. 
<laughs> he might I can't escape take credit for that one. I saw that. I can't. I can't take credit for that one. I saw that oh, one online. I'm. So, I'll be, I won't. I. I'll be honest. I will be honest. I. It was just such a good pun. I couldn't admit it. It's the worst pun. The statute of limitations has expired on the wiener. So best before date apparently. So he's not likely to be extradited to Germany for the hot dog and the robbery. Are you okay? Are you okay with sniffing dogs? I don't tend to sniff dogs a lot. I tend to, you know, <laughs> they usually smell kind of like just musty to me. So I tend to not sniff them. Oh, wait, you mean like drug sniffing dogs? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm okay with them. They are, you know, they're like the police force of the canine world. Yeah, they're Melanie amazing has animals. A chihuahua that is like one of those teacup little ones. And she's the cutest little thing. And she dances and she's fun. And uh, she gets such bad breath, you can tell when she walks mm. in the room. And it's a tiny little thing. I'm like, oh, Kizzy's here. <laughs> so that kind of sniffing dogs, I'm not okay with. Researchers in Belgium have worked out just how effective dogs can be at identifying COVID-19 in humans. This is an idea that was floated around a little while ago. Seems to be working. According to Dare to Think, um, Gent University has been working with the Belgian Army and the Federal Police and the Fire Brigade for several months to train dogs to detect coronavirus. Dogs achieve very good results with an average accuracy of 95%. According to researchers, a chance of a false positive results by dog is very minimal. Results also show that dogs can detect COVID-19 more accurately than a PCR test that are widely used. So how about the amazing dogs actually do it? ABC7 took a look. Right now, this dog is sniffing out COVID. Watch her in action as she walks around this big wheel. At the end of each arm of the wheel are containers. Inside, face masks. Some were worn by real COVID patients. The others, from people who don't have it. The dog sniffs each container. When she gets to the one with the infected mask, she's supposed to sit. Alerting trainers, there's COVID here. But how does it work? Turns out COVID-19 produces a unique chemical in your body. So yeah, COVID has an odor. Huh. There you go. We don't deserve dogs. Dogs are cool. So cool. I don't see any cats sniffing for viruses. Right. They just wait for you to die so they can eat your eyeballs. Yeah, whether you're sick or not. <laughs> Moses says, thinking of musky huskies too much, hey? Uh, Trucker Dan says, the musky statue, statues are both in Gananoque and Kenora. I had completely forgotten about Kenora because I spent most of my childhood in Gananoque. Well, thank you very much, Trucker Dan. Um, it's two fish, yes. And Moses also says, I like how you go to actually sniffing dogs. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? I read it and it's there. In yeah, the that one might with, be on me. With hot dogs, Josie says the best hot dog is a dragged-through-the-garden Chicago dog, yellow mustard, sweet green pickle relish, onion, tomato wedges, pickle spear, short peppers, sport peppers, I read that wrong, and celery salt. The tomatoes should be nestled between the hot dog and the top of the bun. Tip for you. That's pretty good, but I, I think my breakfast dumpster dog is is still the best hot dog. Remember my creation? No. Bacon wrapped hot dog in a croissant oh, with eggs on top, guacamole, beans, I the remember. whole. Yeah. Mm. It's pretty good. 
Dogs stink. <laughs> Anonymous. Well, some dogs do. And I got to tell you, when you're driving in the uh, on the highway and you're going fast and you have two Great Danes in the back of your uh, SUV, and if you have a dog, you know what ass juice is. That's the anal glands that dogs use to mark or uh, when they get scared. Well, those, if you're a dog owners, have to be cleaned out every now and then. So you go to the vet. When they get their checkups, they do a little squeezy, squeezy. A, dog, the dent, a veterinarian takes care of it. And it's no problem. If you're going to that one for a dentist, don't do that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> if your dogs uh, don't um, uh, get that done, sometimes they get smelly. And uh, let me just tell you this from being a former Great Dane owner, and I would love to own another one again one day. It does get worse the bigger the dogs get. Very bad. Especially in small spaces. At the same time. So just think about that when we're going to break here. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.